Welcome to the Consilience Podcast with John Onate. I'm an academic physician trained in psychiatry and internal medicine who believes having diverse interests enriches our lives and ability to relate to others. Through interviews with outstanding people in healthcare, academics, athletes, artists, and more, we can learn about these challenging times and how healthcare intersects with our society, sports, and the arts. This podcast is a work in progress, so feel free to provide feedback, and I welcome suggestions for future episodes. On episode nine of Consilience, I'm excited to introduce you to the host behind the outstanding New Zealand podcast, Dirt Church Radio. This podcast is topically focused on trail and ultra running, but there's so much more to the podcast because of Matt and Eugene's talent in interviewing. Matt Raymond lives in Riverhead outside Auckland with his wife and three children. He's a consult liaison mental health nurse. He was also the editor of Kiwi Trail Magazine and Good People Run. Eugene Bingham is a journalist at stuff.co.nz with 30 years of experience as an investigative journalist. In this episode, we discuss the story of how their podcast began, their approach to podcasting, the background of Matt and Eugene. We then move to talking about their experiences with the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, and what they see their podcast evolving into. I really appreciate Matt and Eugene taking the time and juggling significant time zone differences to record with me. I've been on two episodes of their show, and I'm fortunate to call them friends. We also talk on the podcast... Uh, process of podcast interviewing, please check out uh, Dirt Church Radio. I will have links uh, below to their episodes and also to the episodes I appeared on uh, at the end of this podcast. Take care and enjoy. Um, Eugene and Matt, um, thank you for joining me on my uh, my podcast. Uh, I'm actually really, really excited to talk to you today, um, not only about you know, the success of your podcast and, uh, and, and how you kind of contribute to the running community in New Zealand. Um, but also kind of to get your point of view on like how the pandemic has played out. Um, and it'd be interesting to sort of contrast that with what's going on here in, in the States. Um, and um, like, I really would like to, um, also, just appreciate you taking your time. Uh, it's it's these uh, podcasts and trying to communicate um, when you're on the other side of the world is is always a challenge. So, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, and it's Monday morning uh, for Eugene and Matt. Um, but first off, I'd just like to give you a chance to introduce yourselves as the the host of Dirt Church Radio and spend a little bit of time talking about your background um, and also how the the um, podcast began. Um, so when we start with Matt, won't you, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, although we know each other really well. Kia ora everyone, my name is Matt Raymond and, um, uh, what, I'm, I, I, I'm a runner. Uh, I came to running in my early thirties and I'm in my early forties now. So, um, I live in a place called Riverhead, which is in, uh, northwest Auckland in New Zealand. Um, it's rural. I live by a big forest. And in my day job, I'm a clinical nurse specialist in mental health, liaison psychiatry. And uh, we've been doing the Dirt Church Radio podcast for 100 weeks, which sounds like a really long time, but um, it's gone by in a flash. Uh, yeah, we started in July 2018 mm. um, out of a desire to, um, and I get sort of jumbling over. 
I was editing uh, a, a magazine called uh, New Zealand Australia Trail Runner, which is an Australasian trail running magazine. And Eugene uh, was contributing to that. And we knew each other through trail running. And um, obviously, I was a massive fan of, of your writing and your journalistic work as well. And, um, and, and then one day out on a run, we decided that we'd do a podcast. And, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were... As simple as that. Did you did you know each other before as, so as I, neighbors in Riverhead or no? We didn't know each other as neighbors. So how it works is, and John, you've been to my house, and there's the river yeah. outside of my house, right? So if I jumped in an inner tube, uh, and the tide was going the right way, I could float to Eugene's. It'd take a couple of hours, probably. <laughs> he lives round round the bend. Put it this way: it's probably quicker for me to swim to Matt's house. Yeah. So where where I live on. We both live on part of the upper harbour of the Waitemata Harbour, which is the big, beautiful harbour of Auckland. Uh, and it extends right up here. It goes up to Riverhead. And I live on one on one shore of it. Uh, and as I say, I could swim faster to Matt's house than it takes me to drive. So yeah. I could just go oh, yeah, to, to get to the down. bridge to drive over. And <laughs> yeah, I've got to drive out and back around the highway. Oh it takes gosh. me about 15 minutes to, to it's drive. It's beautiful there, around there. I, last time I was out, like in yeah. early February, we stayed in um, the Riverhead area one night. It was it's beautiful there. Mm, yeah. yeah. So I, getting back to your question about Eugene, did we know each other? We sort of did, but I had the first time... I became conscious of Eugene Bingham. I was sitting with my wife, Rebecca, uh, watching a current events, current affairs program. And there's this guy who documented his um, 100 kilometer Tarawera journey and was on television. And he was this producer <laughs> guy and he was on TV and, and, and we were standing and it was wild. And it was Eugene. And I remember watching with Rebecca. Did you just kick me? No. Uh, and I was watching with Rebecca and uh, just thinking, I don't, I ha- who's this guy and what, how is he doing this? And I can't imagine anyone running that far or doing anything. So I was running at the time, but not doing that distance. So, yeah. And then a f- we had a mutual friend, um, a, a fellow nurse, who yes. knew Matt. Tony. And kept on going on at me about, hey, this is guy Matt. He does trail running. He's amazing. Blah, 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 blah but we'd never actually met. And then one day I was out at the Tehinga Trail, which is a trail on the West Coast. With Sean. Yeah, and it was early. And I was setting out, it was before, before dawn, and we were just starting. And here was this guy coming running the other way. And I, I don't know why, but I realised, that's Matt Raymond. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my first thought was, who's this idiot out earlier than we are? Um, and then realised, that's Matt Raymond. That's the famous Matt Raymond. And that was my first kind of... My first uh, kind of oh yeah, laying eyes on. Yeah. Oh, did, oh, did you and know him from his uh, music music past? Uh, so. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to go there. <laughs> I I didn't actually. Uh, it wasn't until we sort of got talking and stuff. But yeah, then we started running together and we had a good um, connection and yeah. and we both enjoyed telling stories. We both enjoyed being part of the community and helping you know contributing to the trail running community and. As Matt said, on that particular one, we just went, why don't we just do a podcast? Yeah. Uh, and then very soon after that, we were doing it. Pressing play. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's um, really cool. I probably helped you uh, with your producing background, Eugene. Um, but just to, before we, we uh, get move away from Matt's introduction, just to, so you're, you're a clinical nurse specialist. And last time I talked to you, you had gotten a new job at an inpatient psychiatric facility and then 
coronavirus hit, but um, has has your has your job changed? Um, I thought you posted something on social media, but I, I don't know if you, you want to talk about that or what you're doing. No, right no, now. we can we can absolutely talk about that. So my my job is I am the um, so my job is my job title. I'm what's called the bed flow coordinator for Waitemata District Health Board, and so I have the responsibility for um, managing, brokering, and I guess prioritizing admissions into our 72 uh, inpatient beds across, uh, and that serves a population of 600,000 people in the mm-hmm. Waitemata district. And it's, it goes to a massive geographical area. It goes from um, sort of Henderson, Waitakere City, right up to to, to Walkworth and, and the Rodney district. So I, I actually, my, my role is, is in liaison psychiatry. So I work across both uh, Waitakere and North Shore hospitals. But during COVID, I was I I was bubbled at uh, Waitakere. So that's what I was doing. I was I was fulfilling the secondary triage role there. So I was like mm-hmm. the lead non medical professional uh, in the in the team, uh, sort of managing the the psych liaison team at the hospital and and doing a lot of sort of secondary triage stuff. Yeah. But I'm back in role now because thankfully things didn't get overwhelming. So no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've you're, been busy. you're still we have been busy thinking about doing a psychiatric NP or getting your master's or something. Yeah. So that's you. on the, yeah. that's on the cards for semester yeah. one next year. Yeah. I'm going to start my NP stuff. So, so when, when, when did you start running? Like, um, was was it about the same? Was it seeing Eugene's piece that inspired you to start trail running? No, or were you doing that before? So, or no? So I'd been running. I started running. I was working. I ironically I had another nurse-specialist job down in the inpatient unit in Rotorua, and I started running there because we were moving back to Auckland, um, and I knew I wasn't going to get have enough time for mountain biking. We were just about to have Lily, our third baby, and it was very busy. And I. I needed to maintain a level of fitness that I developed. So, and it literally, we had a 200 meter gravel driveway. I could run to the end of it and then I'd have to walk back. So is is that I was 32. Yeah. So Mm. I'm 43 now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So that explains why you're such a good downhiller uh, running. You have a mountain bike background. (laughs) background. That's true. It helps. Absolutely. Exactly what it is. (laughs) So, um, and Eugene, um, being on my, I, I still think we, we've, spoken to each other and we've had um you know kind of had messages back and forth but i don't think we've ever been in a room like physically together no i don't think we yet. have <laughs> and yeah. i've been to new zealand twice <laughs> that's right third, third time, time. I was in Rotorua and you were on your way to queenstown with you for did i run into you the... i'm sorry did i forget or no 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 not yeah. at all no no yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were in i was in Rotorua when you when it had dinner. Oh, that's right. We, and then we switched, switched places. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we're just, yeah. cause you did your first hundred miler. Then, I did right? this year. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. That's yeah. a big achievement. And that, that's a hard course. I ran a little bit of it. It's, it's beautiful. I think I'd have to get used to the rotten egg smell. That's probably the biggest <laughs> challenge for me. Well, well, you start by running away from it. So that's yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you go and away. You don't, and you, you, you don't smell it again until you come back. And, and it, trust me, that's the least of your worries. Well, at that point, you're like, oh, gosh, I can smell it now. Okay, I'm getting close. You know, I'm true, starting to true. <laughs> literally smell the finish line. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a variation on smelling the barn. Yeah, but no, it's beautiful there, though, the, the geysers and everything. Oh, it's stunning. Uh, it's absolutely we went stunning. to the... To that Maori kind of uh, museum, kind of out where mm-hmm. the geyser and things like that. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, 
So Eugene has like 25 years of journalistic experience. And um, do you still write for the New Zealand Herald? Is that right? No, no. I started out there um, Mm. almost 30 years ago, actually. Uh, And uh, since then, I've worked in, I did a little bit of time overseas. I lived in the UK. And then I worked, came back to New Zealand, worked back for the Herald. And then I went to television. I worked mm. for 60 Minutes in New Zealand for a number of years. So I worked in, in Current Affairs uh, for about Yeah, I read that years. too. Yeah, yeah, I worked in, for about eight years in Current Affairs television. And then uh, for the last four years, I've been at a company called Stuff, which is the biggest news website in the country. Um, and I've been working in an investigative team uh, for, the, for the most part of that. So involved in... Yeah, sort of some heavy-duty investigative journalism, and then I like to think of Dirt Church Radio as my sort of mental relief, really, yeah. um, and and being able to to get away from some of the some of the uh, more stressful um, parts of you know the stories that I get involved in. Do, do you find it's like a um, kind of a creative release as well, doing the podcast? Yeah, a bit. I, I kind of yeah. wonder. I didn't put it as one of the questions, but I I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that because I. You know, when I started making this in the middle, you know, during the lockdown, my podcast, I, I kind of feel like it's a way of kind of being a creative expression to do something, um, kind of express yourself and do something more than just work, you know, yeah. and, and also there's a way to kind of a pressure relief valve, you know, from, Absolutely. from the stresses it's, of it. It's certainly that. And it's, it's good. To, yeah, it's, it's a chance to be expressive for sure. And much more than I can be in my my serious journalism role. Hmm. Do, do you find like, um, I guess it really, you probably knew what the, you were doing as a producer role, kind of getting set up with all the technical aspects of it. The, and recording well, the technical and all side that. of it, no. <laughs> <laughs> the technical side of it, we spend a lot of time on YouTube and Google. Um, but the kind of... Okay, I don't feel so stuff. bad then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. And if anyone asks me, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know. I just got Still on YouTube and Google. Yeah. Um, to figure it all out, but some, yeah, some some of the technical aspects for sure, um, but but mostly it was around the sort of production of it and coming up with some of the the things that we've um, made for Dirt Church Radio. Like we have a segment called Greatest Run Ever, mm-hmm. and that just came about through a kind of a a, a knowledge that when p- people just don't want to be passive, they want to actually mm-hmm. feel part of something. And so we, we thought about something that would engage the audience and give them a chance to be part of part of the show as well. And so we, we sort of started it off not knowing how it would go. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I think it speaks to your sort of journalistic chops is that like I will have these, like I'm very much as come from a place of what you'd call, I guess, citizen journalism, you know, very amateur journalism. And then when Eugene, you get glimpses of it through Dirt Church Radio with the stuff with the with the foresight of like stuff you should know, which engages people. And then when you you know, in the odd run where we've been out with other journalists, it's I just sit there just always run along with my you know, just trying to it's it's amazing the amount it makes something very complex look almost effortless from an yeah. outside perspective. Yeah. But yeah, greatest run ever was just sort of an idea that we had that we would ask people to write in and send us their greatest run ever. Mm. And honestly, I didn't know that it would work. And we, we thought that it would maybe get a couple of people would send something yeah. in, but we get so many people write to us um, and tell us their greatest run ever, which 
the idea of it is and to get into the patter is not doesn't have to be a you know a race you won doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. climb everest it's something of everest that can be just in anything yeah. people write into us and we read these stories out on the show we put no the i think that's like one of my favorite parts of listening to your podcast yeah. is yeah. Uh, is and, that part and you know that you know. people are just you know they send in funny stories they send in really deep oh, and meaningful geez. stories there was a guy who stopped someone committing suicide yeah. on yep. a run you know that was some of them are just really deep and powerful Others yeah. are just reflective. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, I, I've heard, you know, I, I remember listening to that part. And it made me think about a similar situation here where I've, I've known at least two runners who've done similar things, you know, where, wow. and, and that's, I think it's part of it is because we're out running and we're, yeah. well, you know, when someone tends to do this is, you know, they don't want a lot of people around if they really, really yeah. want to get it done with. And it's usually yeah. like a runner or someone else who's, who might be a, you know, random chance to, to do yeah. that but yeah um and it, it kind of i think that segment sort of speaks to the fact that running just doesn't doesn't sit in isolation running isn't no. something you do you know on its own this is an activity you carry out as a human being as you know part of the human race and 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 it, and it opens up world you know opens you up into a view of the world that you might not otherwise see yeah. And um that, that really comes through i think and greatest running but yeah it really opens and it's cuz you're the act of it. I mean, unless you're, I guess, one of these people doing like a treadmill run or something like that, it's, <laughs> you're, you're moving through the environment. You're, yeah. you're, you're kind of, there's these frames of experiences with every run. And, and, you know, like on one of my side interests is like how running helps with mental health. And I, you know, and it's like, is it just a physical act or is it that also that process of, you know, getting up and getting out of your, your house and, and interacting with your neighborhood every day that also has some, some psychological or mental health benefits. Mm. Um, so how kind of backing up. So let, you know, uh, explaining that we're, we're talking about your, your podcast, but I, I also want to talk about, you know, just our, our friendship and, you know, note you two are, are really special people that I think people in the United States would learn from hearing about, but, you know, Dirt Church Radio. So that's the name of your podcast. And, you know, uh, you know, if you look it up on, on, um, you know, podcast apps or whatever, it usually comes up with running or ultra running, but, um, how, how would each of you describe it? Like if you, you know, if you had like, you know, let's say you ran into like somebody who's going to invest a lot of money and, you know, like, like Joe Rogan, you know, they want to buy Dirt Church Radio and, and make it exclusive, you know, how, what, what would, how would you, how would you sell, how would you describe this, uh, you know, what, what you make? It'd be interesting to see what you both think. So. I actually like my ears, John. I don't know. We, yeah, I you mean, guys can, I, you can play rock, paper, scissors. Who goes first? No, it's, it's so interesting. And I think the cultural, the cultural context in which we exist in Aotearoa, New Zealand, it's very, it's a very young culture. It's a very small place, and it has a very tight knit running community, and it has a real. We wanted something to stand out from, you know, when you just aesthetically as well and thematically from a lot of what's available, especially coming out of Aotearoa that generally has a bit of a, 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 a theme to it. I came from a very different place. I came from, you know, uh, punk rock, Afrobeat, you know, that kind of framework for my whole life. So taking it through into, into what we're doing now, 
I especially wanted something to stand out differently. That's why it's called Dirt Church Radio. And I think a Dirt Church Radio was, you know, we had a little messenger group called Dirt Church that we used to post up in. And we didn't think that anyone would hear it. So it would be the soundtrack to that, you know, Dirt Church Radio for our three mates. And B, it just kind of sounds different. It sticks out a little bit. You know, we did get a thing for a while where we get lots of messages from like pastors thinking we were a church. <laughs> that was kind of hard, you know, you get like tagged on Instagram by all these Everyone knows you have churches. like thousands of listeners on the religious side that you have no yeah, idea. Yeah, they're disappointed. <laughs> they're waiting for it. Although yeah. I did have a conversation. I don't know if you've heard it on my last interview that we recorded that does get quite, um, uh, quite theological. But um, yeah, oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, 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 it's really... Um, we wanted it basically, and based on like interesting conversations with interesting runners. Sorry, and as you can hear from my conversation, I, I, I don't care about, I do care about marathon splits, right? But it's boring if that's all you're going to talk about is this and the, and the, and the how. I want to know about the why, you know, and, and, and having that discussion, interesting conversations with interesting runners. And also, you know, Eugene always says, like, think of it like a conversation that you'd have with a friend on a run. Mm-hmm. And you know you could start here, and then it goes to here, and then it goes to here, and then it goes to here. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's really uh, you stole my line, bro. Yeah, um, that's yeah. really you, <laughs> you did. You did. That that was kind of what I was thinking when you asked that question, John. Is what we really try to do is just bottle those conversations that you have out on on the trails with someone. Mm-hmm. And you think about those conversations. You're never talking about oh, I ran, you know, six minute miling for five five splits and mm. you don't talk about that you talk about your life mm-hmm. and you talk about what makes you tick and you talk about you know the world around you and that's what we try and do with dirt church radio is we try and capture those conversations uh and 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 share them and that's that's the other big part of it too is we want to share this you know knowledge and these these ideas and these concepts and and these people yeah um and we've been so lucky oh. that people we get on on the show you know yourself included yeah, John, you know it's incredible yeah. that you know somebody like you, you would come on make and make your own luck is my my, my commentary <laughs> well <on that. laughs> yeah sure but but also i guess fortunate is what i'm what i mean yeah, i'm yeah. lucky um yeah. in that we've been able to have people like you on the show who mm. who you know it's it's amazing to have the elite runners as well but i love having such a diverse range Absolutely. of people yeah. on the show oh, yeah. to come yeah. and talk about their lives and, yeah. and, and how running fits into it. And, and also just, just, yeah, what, how they see the world. And yeah. that's how we, that's what we try and do is just share that knowledge. Yeah. I think we also like anyone who's heard our show. I mean, I, I remember being aghast listening to something like the daily and thinking, Oh, you know, this is obviously one dude doing this. And then they, you know, you hear the credits and it's 50, 60 people putting yeah. a podcast together. Yeah. It's yeah. difficult to do. So in terms of, you know, we chat and we talk and we, we laugh and stuff also because I think we're very close friends. You know, we were, we were close friends going into this, but I think we're very close. And, you know, I, I hang out with Eugene probably more than anyone else outside my family, you know, um, and have done, for the last hundred weeks. So that's part of it too. I think, yeah. you know, when we became aware and it's a difficult balance that people would tune in, most people, not all, but uh, would tune in to hear us as well, you know, like, Oh yeah. I th- that I think was interesting. So. Yeah. And cause I think at the start we both are quite um, probably reticent to come forward, you know, and I think that's a very New Zealand thing too, isn't it? Yeah. Like we very much, Part of the thing, you know, and you, you hear like stuff like, like Flight of the Concords or Reese Derby or other 
people that you see. And part of the humour about people from New Zealand is how reserved, you know, how reserved we are. And I think we kind of are, yeah, quite reserved. Yeah. And, a, and culturally, a, you're you're not supposed to show off. Or... No, 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 yeah. no. It's yeah. called tall poppy syndrome. You stick your head up, it'll get locked yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We what had a woman, I remember at Wu2K, there was an American researcher. She was doing a writing project hmm. and she came to this expo and she was just a gut. She said, you are the most low-key bunch of extreme athletes that I've ever met. You know, everyone just sort of shuffles in. No one really makes eye contact. No one says anything to each other yeah. or us. It, it, you know, it's, it's a real different, it's a really quite, yeah, it's, it's quite unique, I think. And I think that comes through very clearly in the podcast as well. Yeah, but I, I I think one of the things that's unique about yours, and, and I don't think any, I think you should give yourselves credit for a couple of things. I think both of you, like, you know, Matt, you're a, a trained, you know, mental health nurse, and Eugene, you've had years of experience as a, as a journalist, both in the print and, and on TV. And it's, you know, coming, having an interview come across natural is, is a skill, and I think that's what's special about your podcast is that you do have this sort of, it feels like you're out just having a spontaneous conversation, but I, I, I know you, just from the few, and I've, this is like my, probably my ninth or 10th episode. I mean, it's a lot of work kind of putting <laughs> these things together and also trying to connect with somebody. I mean, I'm talking to a camera right now and, <laughs> and um, it's, 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 you know, I think it's, it's pretty impressive what you're able to do. I also think your friendship comes across very nicely in the podcast and is something that um, it doesn't seem forced and it's not, doesn't get in the way either. You know, um, I was curious, you know, like, you know, when you first started the pod, I haven't, I, I mean, I apologize. I haven't listened to every episode. I'll, I will try to get That's through a full-time job. <laughs> but I, um, but I'm curious, like, you know, when you started from your first episode, now at your hundredth episode, what, what do you think has you kept and what are things that you think has evolved through that time? It's a very good question. Mm. What have we kept? Um, yeah, I think, I think we, at the start, we were quite slapstick. We were a lot more kind of, well, sorry, what slapstick's not what I'm looking for, but, but it was a bit rough and ready, wasn't it? We, we'd sort of be making stuff up on the fly. Um, not as, and, and now we try to be a bit more prepared because we actually, because our audience, to be honest, John, as Matt said, we would have been happy if three people from Riverhead, our mates, had listened to this. And so I guess our level of care about things was was a bit lower. And then as our audience has grown, we realize that we've mm. actually got a responsibility to make sure that we get things right, to make sure that, you know, the things that we impart are, are, are correct and that we've actually thought about it. We're not just talking off the top of our head. So just I guess that's one area that we've, we've had to grow up a little bit mm. um, and just be a bit more prepared and... And, you know, making sure that we do things like, you know, get race results right. We, we read out race results as we, where we can and stuff and just making sure we get things like that right. Um, but what we've tried to preserve is that spontaneity. And, mm. and like you say, our friendship and our, the, the banter between us is a big part of the show. And that's always been there. And I think it will always be part of the show. I don't think it would be Dirt Church Radio if it wasn't there. So, um, yeah, that's, 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 I think, the two things that I'd identify as those those aspects yeah, yeah. what and else I, I think obviously like from an infrastructure perspective 
we've got marginally better gear, you know, and that made a huge difference yeah, yeah. Um, in oh, terms of just yeah. chipping away at stuff. Because initially we were just getting bombarded with people going, it sounds terrible. <laughs> you guys are, what are you guys uh, doing? And I remember somebody sent us, a, a lovely guy actually, a friend of ours, sent us a, a photo of a potato yeah. saying, is this what you guys use to record your podcast? Oh, my Lord. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, he, he, he has a degree in music composition. from Yeah. You know, yeah. Like he, he's oh, probably getting that wrong, Andrew. I'm sorry. He's, he's fantastic. You know. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, and he, he's, been, he's been one large part of the amazing. improvement, yeah. isn't he? So we were really lucky he got in touch with us very early on and said, oh, that's I good. love what you're doing, but it sounds terrible. Let me help you. Yeah. And he's been, um, you know, he's helped us in lots of ways with advice yeah. and making sure we get set up properly and, and even rescuing us sometimes when we've had files that have been terrible and yeah, we can send them to him and he fixes them up for oh, us. Oh, so. that's, that's good to have. Like yeah. a, he's almost like a producer kind of or a sound engineer. Yeah, like a sound you. engineer. It's yeah. like the yeah. fifth yeah. beetle. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Well, you sound better and better every, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. I've, I've probably invested the most in getting a decent microphone. I, I don't have a condenser yet, but um, but I'm using like this Rode NT is probably one of the better USB yeah, mics out there. So, nice. but yeah. got to work on like, I have a pretty tinny room. I have hardwood floors. You can probably hear it in the, in the sound. And uh, so I have to work on sound treatment. Sounds pretty good job. All that stuff. I think that's um, one of the wonderful things about this new media though, is it captures the, like, I love listening to Led Zeppelin because you can hear the squeak of John Bonham's high hat stand. Do you know, I love the room. I love stuff like that. And I think that it's so important. Like, when you listen to something, it's fun to listen to something that's really professionally made. But if you listen to something that sounds good and has the context of the room, I think it's really important as mm. well. Yeah, so yeah. Don't, don't, um, yeah. My, um, I'm just I. Whenever I record these things too, I'm just waiting for the countdown that my dogs are just going to decide to go <laughs> yes. over yeah. something. We've done quite a bit of recording at, at Matt's place, where I'm sure there's a line of uh, logging trucks that wait, and they go, okay. Three, two, one, go! Yeah. And they just they just start rolling down the road. <laughs> these Likewise, the Air Force Base, yes. whereby Eugene lives, and and it's like, should we practice our tactical landing and takeoffs now? Okay, let's yeah. fly a hundred feet over his house. Yeah. So, but you know, it can't can't all be perfect, and sometimes you, you right. do. I think you want it to sound like you know. That's also kind of the reality of it. Like yeah, I dude. really liked um, Eugene. You did some. I forgot if it was just on Instagram or if you did it on a podcast too, but. You had like did some mini interviews uh, around Tarawara this year. That was kind of cool. Yep. So, yeah, that was so you, good. Yeah. Do you think and you want to do more of more stuff like that at some point? More like oh yeah, we love doing getting out in the field and stuff uh, as well, and and recording those interviews. And, and you're right about the sound. I can when you mentioned it, I could I could hear the the background the noise, cicadas, the cicadas, yeah. and the yeah the the people walking in the background and stuff. It, it brings quite a nice layer to yeah. the podcast. Yeah. I have to show you this uh, mic. I'm thinking about getting for my camera offline, but it's a, a stereo mic. It literally, it's a shotgun mic, but it's two, like this. Oh, yeah. And it's really cool because um, you could literally kind of set it up to do an interview with two people and just have it. But it, it adds a lot really nice to stereo sound. Like just researching it for like doing outdoor type recording. Yeah, cool. They, they recommend mm -hmm. that, but um, but it's like 300 bucks. So it's kind of expensive. So it's not yeah. the most expensive. There's some really no, expensive it, it, gear. Nothing's cheap. There nothing's are some cheap. seriously expensive gear out there. I, it sure is. I, I, I kind of spent on the camera because I haven't bought a camera in a long time and I kind of wanted nice. 
did. I did. I actually, I don't know if I told you this. I had a background in photography. That's how I met my wife. Oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I got into black and white film photography in my last year in medical school. We, uh, you know, you, I've kind of front loaded my last year. And so I had like three or four months were really just some pretty easy stuff to do. So I, I had become friends with our medical photographer and he actually was an art photographer for many years. And um, so he kind of gave me some private lessons and started shooting some pictures with him. And then when I did my residency in Chicago, I joined a, a community photography uh, program. It was really cool. I saw some friends from that organization and, and basically I would, you know, when I had time, when I wasn't on like a rotation, a lot of call, I would, um, I could teach like basic black and white photography and then trade that for darkroom time with all the supplies. Oh, cool. So this is all before we're digital. And I actually met Makiko because I shot her ballet company <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I think I got the better wow. end of the deal out of that. I mean, the pictures are okay, I guess, but, <laughs> but, uh, I've, I've, you know, I was a music major as undergraduate and, um, I've always kind of like, I, you know, part of even like the title of this, my podcast, I really think like having many different disciplines, you know, like learning a, 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 a lot about how, just how to look at the world from science, art, philosophy, religion, you know, really, um, you know, enriches your understanding of things and kind of can help you in, in different ways that you wouldn't expect. So, mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, but you know, back to Dirt Church Radio, um, before we move on to a, a different topic, um, where do you, so you had your, your 100th episode, you, you, you celebrated that and you had a, a live recording um, at a brewery. Was that that same brewery I went yeah. to with you? Um, yeah, yeah, at the bank. And um, it looks like you had a really good turnout. So yeah, you got, we did. had some fans, you know. I know in Wellington, everyone knows you. It's pretty funny. Like, um, I, I, I had the, you know, when I, when you allowed me to be on your podcast a couple of times, it's funny to see allowed. people. In the way. <laughs> <laughs> I felt honored. <laughs> you know, so did my, we. <laughs> um, but anyways, it, uh, yeah, just, uh, everyone knows who you are, like all over that. Well, it's a small country, as everyone says. I think that's the other kind of, um, the uh, non, you know, kind of people will say like, oh, I met, you know, so-and-so and I know, you know, you know, all these like, like Jacinda and things like that. And, um, and like, well, they always say like, well, it's a small country. It has, <laughs> you know, everyone knows, which is probably true. It's like 5 million total. 5, five million. 5 yeah. million, yeah. yeah something. So I did want to, before, one more thing before on Eugene, I did, cause I was on my, um, cause I'm sure some people, there's there's some bit major uh, Jacinda Arden fans in my circle of friends and people I know here in the states, um, and Eugene, you you were interviewed her on your a podcast for stuff, is that right uh, for your? And what yeah. was that like? And what what any uh, anything you can say uh, that's that's uh, about the what was like interviewing her or? Sure, yeah, well, I've interviewed her a couple of times, but that that time was oh. uh, so we we did. Um, a, a coronavirus podcast so i was involved with a colleague adam dudding and we did a daily podcast about the coronavirus pandemic it's now down to weekly which is again is a reflection of where we're up to in our coronavirus experience but uh early on we thought um it'd be good to get the prime minister on and so we sent in a request not really expecting to hear back but um sure enough she agreed to come on the show and and it was just before easter and she um, she rang us 
and we recorded a conversation with her. Um, yeah, she's she's a very skilled communicator. Yeah, uh, she's she's very very good, and that's one of the things that makes uh, you know that has, is a difference for her. She she um, yeah, she's very good at unlike me in answering this question. Um, no, she, <laughs> getting myself all tied up here, but but she's she's a very skilled communicator, so it's an easy conversation to have with her. Uh, and and we had a few technical issues actually during during lockdown, and we experienced this with Dirt Church Radio mm. as well. Suddenly, everyone was at home on the internet, oh, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. we were talking to her over WhatsApp, and the call kept dropping out because oh, the internet was just clogged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she handled that with uh, so well, and and she she didn't get phased, she didn't get angry. In fact, she thought it was funny. Um, she kept making fun of us about it. Um, in, in a nice way, kind of you know, joshing us. Um, so it's very easy to have a conversation with her. But but she's, I mean, I think you know, as you've seen in the states, she took a very firm view about what needed to happen, and she really led from the front. Mm. And um, the other thing that she really did was she set the tone, and the tone was mm. kindness. And yeah. and she mm. just kept repeating it over and over again. Yeah. Like we've got to be kind. We've got to be kind yeah. to each other. This is a hard time. You know. Yes, we need to enforce these rules and so on. But we really need to be kind. And that really came through in that conversation Absolutely. as well. Yeah, um, it's like the opposite but, of our, our experience is like more like just blame and hot potato, sure. and no one really mm, wanting yeah. to take responsibility for anything. And and yeah. I mean, part of it we we can talk about in a second and the compare and contrast. Uh, you know, part yeah. of it, I think, is the United States is very, very different than New Zealand in, in a number of ways. But, <laughs> um, but the with you know one thing about her and just just for briefly is you know she uh, when I first went to New Zealand and then flew back like I think a few weeks maybe I shouldn't go to New Zealand because I'm I bring bad luck I think <laughs> like the first time it was that horrible mass shooting in Christchurch like mass literally shooting. I yeah. think a a week or two after I got back from my first trip mm-hmm. out there. And then I went out there and I brought a pandemic, man. This not that I'm superstitious or anything like that. Probably another reason they're going to ban me from your country. So, but anyways, um, but I, I, she's had like probably one of the hardest prime, uh, prime ministers in the history well. of the country. Yeah. 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 And I thought it, how yeah, she that, handled it was amazing. So, yeah. And again, again, that compassion, you know, yep. compassionate mm-hmm. approach, that kind approach, you know, she, she went straight down there. She went and met the widows. She she walked among people, um, not to make it sound like a religious experience or anything, but but just you know she she was there walking among the victims and 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 the widows very very early on. And and again, um, that message of kindness comes through very strongly from her. Yeah, you know, don't get us wrong. She's a politician. She yeah, knows absolutely. what she's doing. Oh, she yeah. knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's her. That's her leadership style is yeah. not to be combative. Yeah. And there's been plenty of opportunities where, where you could see that others mm. who've been in her position before would go on the attack, and she chooses not to. Yeah. Mm. She chooses just to back off. She chooses to, to to take a more compassionate, kind approach. Um, and I think it resonates. Absolutely mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, we've got an election coming up this year, and it's going to be very very interesting. Since six weeks, isn't it? September. Uh, just over six weeks. Yeah, yeah. September. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, she she certainly had a lot to deal with. But you know, when you look back to, we had the Christchurch earthquakes. Um, yeah. But, so that you're not responsible for everything. Yeah, John, I know. I know. I'm just 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 funny. No, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it worked out that way though. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I I, but I it's, do it's I do think you. Decade. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I mean to interrupt. Sorry. 
Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, it's been a tough decade in, in, in New Zealand. It's been a lot yeah, go on with absolutely. the crushing earthquakes, with mm-hmm. with the March 19 terrorist mm-hmm. attack, with the Kairi White Island, as, as Matt said, which was a volcano that blew up with tourists on, yeah, on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, the, and then the pandemic, which, of course, is a global thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a rough ride. Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty amazing. But you handle it with such grace i think and people definitely admire at least what it looks like from outside but that's where i kind of wanted to you know spend a little bit of time talking about you know our our shared experiences with with the coronavirus um you know so i'm going to start with just my my experience because i i me and my wife and i went on early february and at that point you know, I think the cat was out of the bag in terms of China. And so there was a ban on travel for, for the Chinese tourists to New Zealand. And, you know, we kind of just had our vacation and, and um, I did, you know, it, um, I did see one, I mean, there was no Chinese there, which is very different than my first time I went out, especially in, in around Queenstown. Um, so the only kind of groups of Asians I saw were, were Koreans. I, and, um, so, and, and, I, and then the general vibe just from hearing from the different outfitters there was that they were really worried because they, they make, you know, that's a, the Chinese tourism was a, a big source of income. And then flying back, like one thing that was kind of funny that happens, like Makiko had like a, a cough. She had some allergies or something. She didn't have a fever, but um, I was like, oh my God, they're going to detain her up when we land there, you know, but we, we made it through. Okay. You know, and, and then it just kind of, became this slow moving train wreck here in the United States. Um, I was curious to hear, you know, you don't have to spend like enormous detail, but like what was, you know, kind of going back to that period of time, how has the pandemic sort of rolled out in New Zealand from your perspective? You're probably either one. Sure. Well, I think you're right, John, that initially it seemed like a thing that was happening over there, you know, in the rest of the world. Um, and then it, it just suddenly kicked yeah. off. Um, we started to have cases introduced initially from Iran, actually. Mm. Uh, and then uh, in, in, in pretty short order in March, uh, we got our first case. Then the borders were shut down, which to me, I remember hear, hearing people say, oh, they're going to shut down the borders, thinking, huh, yeah. whatever. You know, New Zealand's an island. How can we shut down? The, yeah, we won't shut down the borders. We can't be shut off to the world. Sure enough, bang, the borders got shut off to everyone but New Zealand citizens. Mm-hmm. And that remains the case to this day. So that's yeah. four months on, our borders are shut. Um, so y- you can only come here if, you, if you're a New Zealand citizen or you are, a, a, what's the word, a, like a... You have an exemption. A, yeah, you need an exemption to be a, like a, a Yeah, because you're still, you're still importing goods and foods. And yeah, stuff and goods and so on, yeah. the borders open, absolutely. Board, goods are going back and forth. But in terms of people not so that happened very quickly and then and then not long after that we went into a lockdown so uh, and that happened because we were on the search so we were starting to have an exponential growth of cases uh so i think there were initially was it 85 cases yeah. that just suddenly got into the community and started to spread and so we started to have exponential growth and it was looking very dire and frightening. then we went on on the friday the prime minister uh, sorry on saturday the prime minister announced uh, a four-stage um, system mm. of of um, lockdown, if you like, 
Could you explain that? Because uh, that's, sure. you know, I, I think actually your numbers are the opposite of what's in the States, but maybe, yeah, if you could just walk through what the four stages are. Sure. Um, so either way. On level. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I mean, I think Eugene's actually, and it's so interesting, our experiences during lockdown, we can touch on this a bit later. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I find that I, I wasn't looking beyond my own nose mm. the whole time, you know, because I was so focused on a not, you know, it was such a, being frontline ed liaison it was it was you know such a stress but you had the overview do you know like you you because you were doing the i feel like you've got such a better like i still don't but that's where our experience is kind of complicated absolutely because you 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 know we were having these conversations um where i was sort of up here in the clouds and and matt was the one who was having to come home and and strip off outside Mm -hmm. and and you know have a shower and so on and uh, after coming back from the hospital you know he was he was living it mm. i was kind of floating above it um so yeah i I'd, I always you know appreciated this conversation because it would remind me that this is a real thing that's happened to real people and mm. and, and a, a you know extremely stressful mm. um and worrying as you can so you both live yeah, kind of close to the the biggest metropolitan area in the country too so that's i assume yeah. that's where you saw yeah. a lot of the community spread was Probably yeah, but in Christchurch yep. too, I think, right in Queenstown, and there, there was, was like several clusters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was a couple of clusters. Uh, one actually in in the southernmost tip of the South Island, a, a wedding in Bluff, uh, and at that one, a, a flight steward came back and went to the wedding and uh, managed, you know, and, and was infectious. And mm. I think there were, I think that reached ninety odd cases yeah. uh, just from yeah. the wedding, and, and there were a couple of deaths and so on. So it was very sad. Oh, I think that, uh, yeah, these super spreader events are going to be yeah. talked mm. about for, for decades, Absolutely. I think. So. Absolutely. But um, yeah, just so to circle back of... really fast, yeah, like, uh, sure. just to explain what the, 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 okay. di- the different levels were. Um, so level one is where we are now. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the borders are closed. Mm-hmm. They encourage contact tracing. Yeah. yeah. But there's no, like, I mean, look at us. There's no, you know, like you our sports don't have to worry about social distancing. Our sports games, are, you know, we're, we're having, you know, 20,000 capacity rugby stadium sellout because yeah. our rugby domestic rugby competition is so, back. So it's basically running. other than you, it's you, can't, you can't come in the country. It's like just how things work. So if you, the if you do come in, if you are in New Zealand, they're coming home, you are contained for two weeks. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in general, uh, it's, it's, there's no one, no one's having to wear masks or no, things like no, that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, level three. Uh, so level two was they were looking at that. They resumed some of the, or they relaxed some of the uh, so the guidelines on gatherings. So mm-hmm. it w- went initially. Uh, it was ten people for a gathering, and four. It level three. It's hard to remember now. Yeah, it's hard to remember so long ago. So it, it, level two is basically level one, but there was res- you still had to maintain some sort of social distance. Yeah, and they were looking at um, they were looking at they like for funeral tangi. They it was initially ten, and then they became fifty. Became a hundred in the end, so, so they yeah. limited to a yeah. hundred and, and gatherings. Um, uh, you, yeah, businesses were open, but mm. uh, everyone had to. They sort of enforced uh, contact tracing. Mm. So if you went into a store, you had to register that you'd been in there. If you went to a restaurant, you had to sit away from other people. Um, so there were those sorts of restrictions in place. Bars opened last. Yeah. They, yeah. So they, yeah. And then level three. Oh, is that level three? No, that was level two. So level three yeah. was. 
they opened it up slightly. So um, takeaways, takeaway food, mm. um, non-essential, not non-essential, but like so some trades people were allowed to go back to work. They had a, a wider stream of people going back to work and you could uh, recreate outside of your immediate bubble. So like you could go for a surf or mm. a swim and, and then level four, it was basically level four was everyone went inside, stay home. Yeah. Uh, mm. So there was no, so I, I went to work every day um, because I worked at the hospital. So, but there was, you know, and, and we had police, like I got pulled over a bunch of times coming back from the hospital because they're like, what are you doing out this time of night? I'd show them yeah. my ID. They'd be like, oh, sweet ass. Um, you could, you know, only one person to go to the hot, go to the supermarket. Um, basically it was, everything was shut down. Wow. So, so uh, yeah, so I was going to ask about like, they're in the level one. So how, how would you go to the grocery store? Or is you so level one, which is where we are now, or I mean, not level one, four. level four. So level, level like four. I said, it's like the sure. opposite. And you know, yeah. <laughs> it feels like, yeah, yeah but yeah. The, the top level, like the, the yep. most restrictive, how, how was grocery stores? So I was really lucky. And I, what they did is they made a provision for essential service workers that we could basically show our ID and, and, and go in first. Uh, mm. You had to queue. They had one person nominated per family and you had to maintain strict ah, social okay. distancing. Got it. Got they it. were only letting a couple of people in. And even that, that, I remember the first, I think I texted you the first time I went in, I, like I wasn't going to do it because, it's, again, it's not the New Zealand way to go in and, and, and we're very reticent. But I thought, actually, I've been at work all week. I'm not queuing for two hours. You know, like yeah. I've been out. And so I... No, you've earned showed, it. I think that that was fine. Mm, you know, but it was traumatic. Sure. It was really... I, I cried. I went upstairs to the supermarket and I burst into tears because I felt quite ashamed. That mm. uh, it, It's a really... It's outside of the context, you know, people all, all of a sudden being a healthcare worker in New Zealand, there's no thank you for your service. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. You know, that's just... I mean, that's not the New Zealand... Mm way so there's no you know and that's a very american saying hey thank you for your service thank you for your service yeah but and then when the, it's not, just not, not in the, the states either I, I think i've had more people like in in a i think it was like in march and april thank me for being a doctor i've more than i've had in past <laughs> yeah. five years no <laughs> I, I think it's a year, no one no one yeah but i'm you know i think yeah. you know i think um we're we're taking for granted i think yeah, in yeah. some ways so. absolutely but it was yeah, yeah. one person yeah. going out for the shopping basically so you Got go it. out do your Got shopping it. they had a time limit and then they had limits on some food stuff because people did panic you know and so yeah. like everyone then suddenly turned into this amazing baker and there was no flour <laughs> yeah. or lentils yeah. or anything like that so, um, so I'll, I'll give you like to com- contrast I, I think hearing what you described uh the, the 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 most strict we had here in California was probably like a hybrid of of two and three closer to two. <laughs> that was the most that was the strictest it really ever. I mean, we definitely had shelter in place, but grocery stores were open, takeout was available. Um, they 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 closed parking to to national parks, but you could hike in or run in or whatever. Right. You know. So um, and um, so, and then in, in most parts of the country, outside of California and New York, it was pretty much for April, it wasn't really, in, for mo- most of March and a little bit of April, it was like very little shelter in place of anything. So, right. Yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, we have, we had four weeks of level four, which mm-hmm. was the most strict. Yeah. And then three weeks of level three. Uh, and level three felt like, 
freedom. <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, but but really, it was, yeah, like you say, probably stricter than, than lots of places. But really, I, really I think people will be world. interested to hear. So you're not, there's not a lot of widespread mask usage. Um, no. Do you no. think that might change if, if you, because you, eventually you're going to open up your borders um, or something will happen? And... Well, that's going to be interesting. Mm. Uh, you know, there's lots of talk of, Will we wait until there's a vaccine? You know what's going to happen. But well, that'll be two um, years with with no one. Yeah, being at into least your country, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at minimum. The, yeah. So we there's no widespread mask use uh, at the moment, um, and that was interesting to see the science evolve mm. on that. I mean, you know, it's only recently the World Health Organization has advised okay, people to start I, using I, masks. But the, I, the, I've been advising masks since February. Right. I saw okay. this. I mean, if you look at the data for indoors, especially from like the cruise yeah. ships, oh. it's it's definitely, I mean, it's like barely droplet. It's really yeah. an airborne, especially Aerosols. indoors. If someone's, yeah. Especially if someone's like coughing or yelling. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so so I personally, I think like emergency psychiatry is at very high risk because you got somebody screaming at the top of their lungs and yeah, and they, you can't even get a mask on them. So, yeah, no, way, you, but, I mean, you, you yeah. in the hospital context, people were. Yeah. So we were all, yeah. you know, and all the healthcare workers, we were all in masks because, you know, you've worked in EDs, John, yeah. everyone's like, the, there's yeah, no social yeah. distancing. And um, certainly but, you're right. You know, um, I remember having to do a, a, a full mental state initial exam and then a committal process on a man who was manic in full PPE. I was in full oh, PPE. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we was, tried that in March, in PPE, yeah. but it was yeah. very difficult, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, for, like, for lots of different reasons. So I think, I mean, we've got such different systems though. Hey, like it's a, like you said, it's a small country here. We've got a parliamentary system. It's not yeah. federal. There's not, you know, like basically the government went, go inside. Everyone went, okay. You know, yeah. like it's not in our experience to go, you know, this is against my right. Don't tread or, on me. Yeah, this well, is right. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. you, you probably had some people protesting somewhere, but they they just they kept so it quiet. <laughs> you know, anonymously on Twitter, there was yeah, a couple yeah, of a couple yeah. of law ca- legal cases were taken, which yeah. failed. Yeah. Um, so spectacular. Uh, sure. uh, and 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 there, yeah, see, again, we don't want to beatify anyone or anything, but but the the leadership approach was was very different. But certainly there were questions asked. You know, Absolutely. They, they did have to retrospectively. I mean, we can't argue the with their results. I mean, I think that's part of it's Precisely. an advantage because you're an island and you, you know, when yep. you close your borders, it's you really are closing your borders, you know. Yeah. Unless someone's like but, hires a submarine or something and that's right. <laughs> sneaks on, you know. But, yeah. um, but we were, I mean, we, as Eugene says, we were off into the races. You know, we had community spread, and it was beginning that exponential curve. Yeah. So, how is it um, now, yeah. like in terms of cases? I think I uh, headlined somewhere you had like one a few weeks ago, but is it zero yeah. at this point? So, we the only cases that are happening now are people who are returning from overseas, and so yeah. they are in isolation. So, although we're getting a we, we get a drip feed of one or two cases every couple of days, mm. but they're people who are returning from overseas and they've been tested on the third day and the twelfth yeah. day of their uh, stay in managed isolation. Mm. And uh, so they're in hotels paid for by the government. They stay yeah. in these places for two weeks. They're tested on the third day and the 12th day. And so some cases are being picked up there, but there's no spread uh, beyond that. So I yeah. guess our vulnerability is around those those um, oh, yeah, facilities. Yeah, yeah. And there was a case last week where a, a guy who had returned to New Zealand uh, and, and subsequently tested positive, so it was really serious, he mm. escaped. And he went to the supermarket, and so that was 
you know, that's where we're going to see problems emerge. Yeah. You know, they can't deliver. They the I mean, that's like yeah, everyone just does. Yeah, they they're yeah, getting deliveries. Like, oh, they're getting food. You know, they get yeah. they get food. They get you know they can have courier drops. Uh, they can. But he decided to escape and go go to the supermarket. Yeah, he might have been claustrophobic or something. And just yeah, to, exactly. Maybe. You know, and, and I, think I mean, it's it's, it's hard. A, it's 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 really, it's, it's really hard. I mean, especially with kids and stuff. I can't imagine. Oh, totally. Yeah, I just. The big debate now is like, should we reopen schools and things like that? And, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think one of the things to think about with masks, um, just from a, yeah. you know, just, you know, the, the reasoning to really do mask, and I think you're going to see a, a big uh, worldwide, is mm-hmm. what we've learned from this virus is, you know, 20% or so are either asymptomatic or what yep. we call pre-symptomatic. pre-symptomatic. So, they're, mm-hmm. so, you know, because it, it, it can take, um, you get infected, and it can take up to, you know, 14 days before you have infections. Most people is within four to five days. But mm-hmm. even then, they're shedding virus during that five yeah. days. Um, and also, some people, it's so, it's so mild, you just don't know. Like, it's like if you already are kind of out of shape and you get short of breath walking up the stairs, if you're like 20% more short of breath because you have coronavirus, you might not notice it, you know? So, mm-hmm. or if you're already a smoker and you kind of like, you don't really exercise that much, you might not, you might, until you get really, really short of breath, you mm-hmm. might not notice that you're, you're feeling bad. So, um, so it's, it's uh, mask, you know, kind of widespread mask wearing, at least in public indoor settings, you know, definitely um, will, will kind of help curve the, the spread of it. But, I mean, I, I'm like, who's going to listen to me? I'm, I'm talking from America. We're like, it's the most embarrassing. No, ex, uh, and it's a very different know. situation. I think if there was community yeah, transmission absolutely. down I, here in New Zealand, uh, I think I, if there was I, community transmission, people would definitely adopt masks now. Yeah. And that's where I was saying things have yeah. changed a lot, haven't they? Mm. Back in February, yeah. March, I think there was a concern that if everyone raced out and bought N95 masks, there wouldn't be enough for yeah. for essential, essential workers. And so that was perhaps uh, what was what was uh behind the 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 official advice which was no need to wear masks but but now i I think it'll be a different situation now i think you're absolutely right and and the knowledge has changed and what we know about asymptomatic cases and what we know about pre-symptomatic cases and what we know about the transmission through these small aerosol drops droplets and so on everything's changed Mm -hmm. and and i think i think you're right i think you look also within the subsect of the New Zealand population, you know, the, the sort of the pan-Asian diaspora mm-hmm. are much more akin to wearing masks. So, like you yeah. see people going into town and it is that thing, I don't know if it's post-SARS or whatever, people will mask up if they have a cough or cold. And you see that a lot. So there is a subsect and it's not purely people from the wider Asia, but yeah, people do wear masks, but it's not, it's not a, a widespread thing that we, yeah, yeah. I think it'll happen. Know you know, it's funny, we, like historically I saw some pictures from New York and the, uh, during the Spanish flu and there was like a, a baseball game, everyone had masks on. So yeah. really, I, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think it's what's old is new. Um, yeah. You know, oh, so, absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to be mindful of your, of the time here for y'all. We've been talking for about an hour. Um, sure. Do you have a hard out Eugene or Matt or how I are we doing? I kind of do need to get on this work at some stage. I suppose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some, yeah. But... So, um, <laughs> but I'm but, okay. Just like, you know, a couple of things like, you know, I, so, you know, I think um, one, just kind of circle back to, you know, what, uh, what we we're talking about earlier with your podcast, um, you know, a couple of, couple more, couple of questions. Like one, do you, do you think the the pandemic itself has, has shaped how you 
the focus of the podcast or what the podcast is meant. Um, and that have you, I don't know if you've had, you're in the midst of it. So I don't know if you had time to think about that or have, have thought about that, but no, I mean, I think we thought about it a lot and I, the first weekend that we, cause we didn't have a break, you know, mm. it, it, it was, it was, do we keep doing this? Mm. Is there anything to do? Should we go to two weekly? Should we, you know, and, and the first week we were isolated and the internet was terrible because everyone was on Skype yeah. and we couldn't do yeah. it. And, and then suddenly there's no races. Also, as it dragged on, you know, like gradually, I think Eugene and I got, and I, I felt for you, I mean, your chops are incredible. He's doing a podcast every day, just him and Adam Dudding, this incredible podcast, and then doing it. It, it was hard. It's been really hard. Yeah, and we both got more fatigued. We both yeah. got more tired. Probably yeah. both got more both got more traumatized by what was going on, yeah. you know, the grind of everything. Um yeah. But then it, it, it did become, from my perspective, it became something really to cling on to. Even if at times I was like, I can't be bothered doing this. And not I can't be bothered doing this, but I'm tired. I want to lay down. I want to go to sleep. You know, um, it, it, that, that discipline of doing it was really, really helpful. It was difficult with guests. Like, I think that, and it's been commented on, the diverse, it was difficult to get guests, you know, and we had a couple of, th- like, we had a couple of scheduling issues happen, and we had a couple of people who, you know, we'd arranged, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen, so we were mm. scrambling, we missed the week, because basically, we got, you know, and, and not cynically, we got left at the altar, basically. Um, so that was difficult. Yeah, yeah it was tough. It was, it, but, you know, and, and I, I was always very conscious that Matt was working in a very, very stressful environment and, and worrying, you know, especially at the peak of it mm. in, that, in that first four weeks. You know, so I was worried for him. And so it was, it was hard I was to keep going. For you. But it was, but, I, but I was in, in kind of danger as well. I was mm. just busy. <laughs> but, but, um, but you were, you know, you were potentially in danger. And I, so yeah. I was worried. And yeah. so that was, that was hard. And, but people really appreciated that we yeah, keep going. And we've had so much feedback from people saying, thank you, you yeah. know, and, and, and we provided a bit of a, you know, a, a break, yeah, a break. Yeah. Um, for people and, and just a little bit of normality. Um, uh, so that was, that yeah. was, that was, that was good. And consistency. I, th- I think one of yeah. our things where we've always prided ourselves on is the fact that, and I remember <laughs> going, we're going to do this every week. And we went, okay, right. Okay. And, but it's a thing that we pride ourselves on. Like we put a podcast out every week. Yeah. And we don't sleep through them. But I mean, right now I'm, I'm on leave, which is really nice. And, we've managed to kind of bank some, yeah, sometimes it's week to week and sometimes it's like we've managed to really sit down and bank some really cool, great, interesting guests. And um, it feels in a, it feels good to be back up on, on top of things really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm Not kind of, of doing it's that a different this week. world, but yeah. yeah, I had like a, I took kind of a week off, but I'm interviewing you guys and then I'm interviewing a, a pair of artists Um and uh, and a friend of mine from uh, Emory, who's a physician at Emory University to kind of talk a little bit about the George Floyd uh, wow, issue wow. and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, I think it's um, but it is it's a lot of work. I'm doing like I'm a one man show, and I yeah I, I didn't want to you know I I kind of didn't want to give myself like um, you know like oh I have to do this every week. I rather focus sure. on just trying to find inter, inter you know interesting people to do. Yeah. So yeah. so so. Quickly, where do you think the in, in 100 episodes from now, what do you think the podcast is going to look like? Hmm. Um, I hope that it's, uh, it continues to be a reflection of 
of the running community that we're part of and that we look out to as well. Because the other thing is that we're, we're sort of about 50% of our audience is overseas. Mm. Um, so we've got this audience that we, we don't really connect with very well. And I'd like us to try and try and do that better. Mm. Try and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, talk to, talk to more people, uh, you know, the people that we talk to overseas tend to be the elites. Absolutely. And I'd like to try and tap into more of the kind of, you know, the ordinary runner mm-hmm. um, overseas to, to be able to, to better reflect our audience, I guess. Um, that's, that's what I'd like us to try and where I'd like to try and be yeah. in a hundred episodes. Absolutely. And it's going to be amazing to do. I amazing. It is going to be literally amazing to document what life is like post or inter pandemic in yeah. terms of returning to racing. Yeah. In terms I of hope it's post. I hope, I hope for New Zealand. It's I, post, I do. Yeah. Well, I hope that I hope for you guys it's post, you know, it's, oh, it's um, I think we're going to look just, a lot like this a year from now on the cynical side of me. So, but, yeah. but you know, there's, there's that too. For me, it felt like, I mean, you know, I, I don't see a, I, I never thought we'll get to a hundred and then we'll call it. Do you know what I mean? It kind of feels like for me that it's a non-negotiable thing in my life at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, it, and whilst it's amazing to do, it's not a chore. It's always fun. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. woke up this morning, feet hit the floor. I'm like, going to talk to John, going to hang out with Eugene. It's a good yeah. day. You know, so yeah, it, it would be fun to do this. I mean, if, if I had my brothers, you know, I'd do this full time, but mm. I've got a mortgage and everything like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it, it certainly makes, it's so fulfilling. So yeah. I hope we just keep on keeping on. Yeah, it's certainly not work. That's for sure. No, it's not. Yeah. And do, that, do you have any we, uh, any anything you want in a hundred episodes now, or, or me? Anything you want to add, or? Uh, yeah, I, 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 or you other than like interviewing? Um, yeah, I think know, that more more normal people from out, outside, or not normal, but yeah, more interesting, sure. not just you elite. To, to better reflect our audience. Yeah, I, I can so I, I can contact with some people and over here in the states. Yeah. Thank you. But the thing is that, like Matt says, you know, we sort of dream about it and some just go, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if we do this full time? Um, and I kind of, I'm in two minds about that because as much as I'd love to do that and go off to races and just hang yeah. out and, and, and try and build this thing, um, I also would never want it to be work. No. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy doing it this. Fun. Oh, it's never cool. a chore. It's not work. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I want to keep that. Yeah. Well, I always. I mean, we end, went running. Uh, this oh. is the thing. We don't. Sorry, we went running. You know, we we hung out yeah. for hours yesterday morning, and now we're in the forest. Back yeah. at it again. It's it's not like it's not a chore. No, I think I think amongst the the three of us, we we all like talking to people. Like to me, no, uh, absolutely. Um, I think I, I try to convey this to my my students that you know, there's no boring patients. That even you know uh, that the just the the amazing experience for us to have a conversation with someone else who not only acknowledges our own existence, but gives us a a reflection of their own perspective to me is, has always been really, really uh, remarkable and something I'm very appreciative of that we're we're able to do this in this experience of of life that we have. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I think you guys do that so well in this podcast, I think. Well, Thank you. Thank as, you. As a journalist, um, hammered into you very early on is that everyone has a story, and it's true. It's just can you unlock that story? You know, are they prepared to tell it? Do they want to tell it? 
um, you know, everyone has a story. The, the, I can't remember who it was, but there was a journalist who made a career out of uh, literally opening the phone book at any page and then just stabbing his finger down on the page <laughs> and then calling that person. This was in the sort of 50s and 60s. Yeah, right. Calling that yeah. person and just starting to talk to the person. And sh- soon enough, they would open up and they'd be, had some amazing story that yeah. no one knew about. And that's, you know, I guess... Yeah, that's where we that's where we want to be as well. That's so a much more enjoyable cold call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it. Sure. Yeah. So, um, quick, you know, quickly, so because I'm trying to be respectful for your time, sure. so we can kind of land land this plane, um, so to speak. Um, what what are you what are you two hopeful for? Do you have anything? Uh, I always try to end uh, these podcasts or just with the people I interview to kind of hear what what they have hope for. In general. Yeah, and, and it could be specific or general, but what brings you hope? There's a lot of darkness in the world right now. What brings me hope or what do we hope for? Um, what brings you hope? Um, What's going on? I, I, think that, I think that while this pandemic has shown us that, um, you, know, you know when you look at disaster movies, um, and, and the, the, what was the name of it? Was it Contagion? Yes. The, yeah. the, the movie. You know what Hollywood missed? Hollywood missed the kindness. Hollywood missed the oh, I know. teachers. I know. The teachers Such a cynical would, movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and that bit, it never comes through. And I think that what this pandemic has taught us is that, yeah, sure, you know, people panic, people, you know, get upset and all stuff. But also, on the most part, people act, you know, the, the humanity of people comes yes. through. And you mm. have things like, you know, the appreciation that you've had, you know, you're, yeah. you're saying you've never had more appreciation as a doctor than you've had yeah. in the last, you know, few months. And yeah. that, that's, that's wonderful. Teachers who um, were going out of their way to make things interesting for the kids that they were having to teach at home and, 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 and you know, being wonderful human beings and then that being reflected back to them. Um, you know, neighbours looking out for neighbours and making sure that their elderly neighbour who, who didn't have anyone was being fed and was getting shopping delivered to them and so on. That all came through, and I think that gives me hope that mm. that as much as there's this you know dumpster fire of a world, <laughs> um, you know at the heart it, there's a lot of there's also a lot of hum, you know good yeah. human beings living on this planet, and that gives me hope. That's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It's not making money. It's beautiful. Yeah, I have hope for. And I think it touches on what Eugene says, you know, human humanity's capacity for violence is only matched by a capacity for like kindness and love within each other. I'm really hopeful that, and I guess it relates to the, the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and what happened to George Floyd and, and, and countless other people and countless other people around the world of color. So I took my kids to the Black Lives Matter march here and seeing a diverse range of people, ages, genders, colors, standing up. And as a, as a heteronormative tertiary educated white man, you know, like I've hit every privilege mm-hmm. thing. I've hit every branch on the way down under the tree, right? But looking around me and seeing other people confronting some real destructive long-term held norms, you know, and it's, it feels like it's got real, I'm hopeful this has real legs. You know, and I don't, I'm not saying burn everything down or anything like that, but I'm really hopeful that other people are now, other voices are being heard, mm. you know, and as a, 
as someone who's traditionally my voice has been the right voice, if that's challenged a lot or a little bit, I think that's a really good thing. And I'm really, I feel really hopeful to be able to bring my kids up in an environment. And, and let's be right, like Aotearoa, we have our fair share of, of very racist policies, very racist things that happen, right? We're generally politer about it. But um, yeah, that's, that, that's what brings me hope that there's, there's, it feels like there's real change around the world at the moment and there's will and people are standing up and saying hey look things have to kind of change for the better no for sure and that's that's i think that's a beautiful way to end our our discussion matt and eugene dirt church radio podcast everyone who's listening uh subscribe and and check them out i'll i'll link it uh on on this episode um i really really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me i really really enjoyed it Thank you. It's, it's lovely to see you again. It's John. always wonderful to talk oh, to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was just actually harking back. I was like, it, it's 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 so nice to see you over Zoom. But like, I remember when you were sitting in my kitchen. Oh, you know, I know. Drinking I know. beers, just... recording a podcast after well, it. That was really nice. Well, hope, so. hopefully, hopefully, uh, one day. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. At some point. <laughs> this video and podcast represents the opinion of Dr. John Onate and his guests. The content is provided only for informational, educational, or entertainment purposes. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions or concerns. Views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are our own and do not represent that of our place of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. I do not receive any income or gifts from the pharmaceutical industry. I have no financial conflicts to disclose in relationship to the content presented, and if I do, I will present at that time. Thank you.